Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 192. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. I'm excited to continue our breakdown of Blueprint MCAT, formerly Next Step Test Prep. We're breaking down Blueprint MCAT Full Length 1 Chem Fizz section. This week, we're continuing our breakdown. And you can get Full Length 1 for free by going to blueprintprep.com, signing up for all of their free goodies. You get a diagnostic, a half-length diagnostic. You get full-length one for free. You get access to their MCAT study schedule, creator thingy, and so much more. That's that's their technical term, the MCAT study schedule creator thingy. Um, but go check it out, blueprintprep.com to get full-length one for free. And then after you take it, you can follow along here and really understand the breakdown of it. Let's go and jump in. Say hello to Phil. Phil, back for some more MCAT podcasts, continuing our breakdown of Blueprint MCAT full length one, Kempfiz section, passage eight. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> continuing on our journey. So um, if you're listening to this in podcast form, we are recording all of these for YouTube as well. So you can see the passages you can see the figures, see the graphs, see all of the answer choices to help you with these. Uh, obviously, listening to them is fun as well if you're in the car or working out or whatever you're doing. Uh, but if there is a question or something where you're like, oh, I wonder what that looks like, go back on premed.tv and you can watch all of them. So, yeah. Passage eight. Let's continue passage on. Eight. Yeah, keep going. Just just a reminder, this is part of the free practice bundle that everyone can get. So you don't have to shell out to take this exam <laughs> and you know, you can take the exam and then go through it together with us. Free free. Free 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 free. Free free. Free 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 free. free. <laughs> <laughs> that must be a good ad because it's <laughs> catching on. Yes. The the question is who is it for? Uh, the something exactly. So okay, it's not a great ad. ad. Yeah. You just you just know it because it's free, 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 free. Right. It's, Wait, I think it had to do taxes. Something it is. Taxes. It is a tax prep company. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is um, a very good passage. I love this passage because it's bringing together multiple topics, which is a very MCAT thing to do. Hmm. This passage is crossing over between um, stuff with like DNA. Also, the electron transport chain, as well as batteries, mm. um, all at the same time. So a bit of electrochemistry, electron transport chain, and just some general biology. 
So let's go ahead and just hop in. I'm excited. I'm chomping at the bit to take a whack. (laughs) Such a nerd. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, So the metabolic oxidation can generate energy while yielding carbon dioxide and water. Electrons removed during oxidation drive the formation of coenzymes NADH and FADH2. These coenzymes in turn transfer electrons to oxygen as ATP is synthesized from its precursors. So this is a lot of just general info. We should know that we can, yeah, we can take stuff and make carbon dioxide and water and electron transport chain and all of this stuff. So the proteins in the electron transport chain are coded for in part by mitochondrial DNA. These proteins are organized as five complexes shown in figure one. Super interesting thing. Mitochondria have their own DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, so the proteins for this, they're telling us are not, the, the genes for that are not in our nucleus. They're in the, the mitochondrial DNA. It's because mitochondria are our original pets. They're bacteria that live in all of our cells and they have their own DNA and all that jazz. Passed down from mommy. Yeah, exactly. Um, except for that, there was one case of a guy two years ago that like there was a big thing. It's like, oh, it passed down from a father. It was like the first really? case that they actually saw that. I've been wondering how the MCAT is going to deal with that. <laughs> still, still generally it's maternally inherited, but there yeah. is one proven case of it being paternally inherited. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they so add anyway. almost in front of yeah, almost. all mitochondria is passed from <laughs> the mom. Generally at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So we have this figure, um, seems kind of complex. Um, what we have here with our different complexes, one, two, three, and four, ATP synthase. We have ubiquinone, otherwise known as coenzyme Q and cytochrome C. Um, they give us both the NADH and the FADH path. So we see the electrons being transferred from NADH to complex one. Then those electrons go to Q or ubiquinone. The electrons go from there to complex three. It's not, it doesn't go to two. I want to be clear here. Mm-hmm. It goes one to Q to three, it skips two. And then it goes to cytochrome C. Cytochrome C gives the electrons to four and then four gives it to oxygen at the end. So oxygen is the final electron acceptor as it's written in everyone's textbook forever. Um, we also have the FADH2 pathway, which they've simplified here in this figure showing you like succinate to fumarate, but that's mm-hmm. actually going to produce FADH2. The FADH2 goes to complex two and then to Q to three to cytochrome C and to complex four. So it's actually the same for the tail end of that pathway. They both go Q3, C4, oxygen. The question is, do you start at one or do you start at two? It's kind mm-hmm. of like two on ramps that re- lead onto the same highway. So we got some figures going on here. Um, hopefully you're pretty comfortable with the electron transport chain, at least just generally by the time um, test day rolls around. But we're going to expect to see some questions on this for sure. Do you think students should, very similar to the amino acids, where it's like you should draw them, you should name them, you know the th- three letter, the one letter, for the citric acid cycle, for the electron transport chain, all this stuff. Right, you always see pictures on on Instagram and elsewhere of of students drawing this out on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper hanging. Like, should they be able to draw these out from memory, no issues? That is something that I think is really like required in a lot of biochem courses in undergrad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would go that far for the MCAT. The MCAT isn't going to ask you like, what's the fifth enzyme of the pentose phosphate pathway? That's not kind of an MCAT style of question. Okay. Um, now don't take that as like, you don't need to know enzymes. You do need to recognize like, oh yeah, I think that's part of the the electron transport chain, right? Mm-hmm. When they say complex three, you're like, yeah, that's part of that. Um, 
However, there are some rate limiting steps that you do need to know. For example, in glycolysis, PFK, phosphofructokinase, is the rate limiting step of that. We care about that because if I want to speed up the reaction overall, PFK is my bottleneck. So that's what I have to speed up to get this to happen faster. If I want to get it to happen slower, I need to slow that one enzyme down. So that makes these things targets for control within our body and also targets for drugs. So that's why we care about the kind of the rate limiting steps. So I would mm -hmm. focus a little bit more on those. You don't need to memorize all the enzymes going through stuff, but just kind of focusing in on the rate limiting steps, especially in glycolysis and gluconeogenesis, okay. um, which I think are maybe a little bit higher yield. All right, so energy is released during the transfer of electrons, hydride ions, and hydrogen atoms from donors to acceptors. Electron-donor-acceptor combinations are referred to as redox pairs. That's a redox reaction where something is gaining and something is losing electrons. The associated free energy change, delta G, can be related via equation one. Um, the the E-naught is the standard reduction potential for the specific redox pair. N represents the moles of electrons transferred, and F is Faraday's constant, which is 23.1 kcals per volt mole. So we have this equation. It's a good chance we're going to have to do something with this, um, kind of like seeing what's happening here. Um, going on. The standard free energy change for the transport of two electrons from NADH to oxygen via the electron transport chain is 52.5 kcals per mole, and the phosphorylation of ADP to ATP is 7.3 kcals per mole. So telling us how much energy we get out of the electron transport chain and how much energy it takes to build the ATP, which is actually kind of the whole point of the entire thing. Yep. Um, the standard reduction potentials for NAD to NADH, FA. Uh, iron 3 and iron 2 and cytochrome C and the FMN and FMNH2 are a bunch of numbers, respectively. I have to give us negative 0.32, positive 0.22, negative 0.22. Honestly, on test day, I'm going to kind of gloss over that. They're probably going to ask me something about it. I'll refer back to it, but I don't need to memorize these right now. So at a constant temperature and pressure, equation two describes the free energy change for the conversion of a single reactant to a single product. So delta G is equal to delta G naught plus RT natural log of product of a reactant. Some of you guys might be familiar with that as the natural log of Q, which is the ratio of product to reactants. Many biochemical reactions feature intermediates, which transfer energy between reactions via coupling. Unfavorable reactions may be coupled to the exergonic hydrolysis of ATP in a multi-step reaction pathway. The conversion of glucose to glucose 6-phosphate and glycolysis proceeds via this strategy. The standard free energy change in step one is this number, while delta G for the reaction to which it is coupled, the formation of fructose 6-phosphate from glucose 6-phosphate is plus 400 calories per mole. Oh. Now, so a lot of this stuff, there's a lot of details in here, and it's really yep. easy to have that thing where you kind of glaze over. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's something that I, th I feel like everyone who's listening definitely did that right about the like second or third paragraph that I hit into there. Yep. Um, their brain just kind of shuts down. It's important to make sure that you can kind of pull the ideas out of this, right? So like the last paragraph is just telling us like what's going on in some of these specific te te uh, steps in glycolysis. Okay. Um, the paragraphs up above are telling us what's going on with these specific um, like reduction potentials of things in the electron transport chain. And the energy that we get out of the electron transport chain and the energy it takes to build ATP. And so some of these things we might have to refer back to. But if you just kind of completely glaze over and ignore all of it, you're going to miss this. It's going to be hard to find. Um, this is definitely, I know we talked last week about, you know, being able to like go to the questions without reading the passage. This is a passage that that's not going to work very well on because there's a lot of details in here that as I'm reading, they're probably going to make me refer back to. Okay. 
So. Wow. All right. Uh, looking at this first question, question 40, given information provided in the passage, which of the following is the most likely standard voltage change for the half O2 H2O redox pair? This is, this is probably the hardest question of this entire passage. Um, so we're starting off on a, on a tough one. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Um, so the half O2 H2O redox pair. So if I just, I'm trying to figure out potentially where that's coming from. It's, it's this last step, right? Step four. Yeah. Um, where I have the O2 and the uh, H2O. Um, now the question is where do I get the voltages from that? And so I will quickly scan through the passage and go, okay, um, here's redu uh, reduction potentials um, here, NAD plus, NADH, uh, iron 3 plus, iron 2 plus, cytochrome C, blah, 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 blah. All right, so here's the only place it looks like that actually gives me numbers. Um, <clears throat> oh, man. So I'm assuming I have to go through each step of what I see up above here from 1 to Q to 3 to cytochrome C to 4 to that last part and go, okay, so looks like step 1 is the NADH to NAD plus, so that's negative 3, uh, negative 0.32. Uh, right. is that, am I going down the right path there? No. Yeah, you're absolutely. <clears throat> no, I am. Or yes, I, I, okay. I think it helps to kind of understand what is a reduction potential though. Yeah. Um, a reduction potential is your potential to be reduced, which reduction is gaining electrons. So it's, yep. it's a measurement of how much you want electrons. If you want electrons a lot, you have a higher reduction potential. If you want it not very much, you have a lower reduction potential. Um, <laughs> how needy you always are. Like, yeah, it's, it's 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 a relative thing. Like if I asked you how much you wanted a burrito and you said seven, that doesn't mean anything <laughs> to me. So we needed some reference. So seven. hydrogen has a reduction potential of zero. And so mm -hmm. everything is being compared to that. So things that are negative, they want electrons less than hydrogen. Things that are positive want it more than hydrogen. Okay. And so we can just kind of like look at that. So that, that definitely doesn't give you the answer there. But Unfortunately. That might, might help out a little bit. Yeah. Um, so here's the question. With that said, and the comment that you just made, do I even need to look at the passage to answer this? Because if if the number is going to be how much I want an oxygen, right? An electron. An electron, sorry. Uh, how much I want an electron, then I should be able to go, okay, the standard voltage charge for half of the O2H2O redox pair. My assumption, oh man, that's so rusty at this, is this is the very end of the chain, correct? And right. so it should be very easy to 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 go through this. There's there's no rate limiting here. It's just like, let's keep moving. Um, right. And so it should be very easy. And so it would be the biggest number, either positive or negative. 
Right. It, so if it was the biggest number negative or the smallest, like yeah. the negative 0.45, that means it really doesn't want electrons and it's going to be giving electrons away overall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely on the right process. So many students are going to like look at those numbers, the like negative 0.32 and the plus 0.22, and they're trying to do math. Yeah. They're trying to like add and subtract and divide and multiply and try to figure that out. Um, but really looking at the electron transport chain, these electrons are going spontaneously. They want to go this, we get energy out of this. This is a really spontaneous reaction. So that must mean that what happens at the end must want electrons a lot more than however we started. And yep. so just going off of that, you kind of just want to pick the biggest number. Yeah. Um, and so note <laughs> that A is actually the only one, the only number that's bigger than all of those other numbers they gave you. Yep. And so we need something that need, wants it more. That's going from there. So that's one way to solve this is kind of like look at the numbers kind of relatively going through there. We know that cytochrome C, which was right before like oxygen and complex four, that had a voltage of plus 0.22. So the oxygen's got to be more than that. Yep. And so A is the only one that works. Also, just generally, if you look at a periodic table, there's like the trends for like how much things want electrons, the electron affinity and electronegativity. You should know that fluorine wants electrons like a lot. And then right next to fluorine is oxygen. And so oxygen also wants electrons a lot. So even if I had no idea of like any of this table, any of this passage, mm-hmm. I know oxygen really wants electrons. It's really electronegative. So it's going to have a high reduction potential. And so B, C, and D just kind of don't make sense in that case. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Only 20, only about 28% of students get this question. I think most of them are trying to add and subtract and multiply stuff in there, but the MCAT's going for a much more conceptual thing than yeah. seeing who's the world's best mathematician. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Yeah. As soon as you said it, I'm like, aha, (laughs) I'm going about it the right way, but the wrong way. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. Question 41. In laboratory experiments, the hydrolysis of ATP to ADP and inorganic phosphate has been shown to occur slowly. In the body, the process occurs rapidly. Which of the following may account for this observation? A, the action of enzymes present in the body but absent in laboratory experiments increases the proportion of ADP and inorganic phosphate present at the completion of the reaction. Uh, Okay, that doesn't really tell me anything (laughs) about speed, so that doesn't uh, help me, I don't think. B, the hydrolysis of ATP in a non-spontaneous process that cannot proceed in the absence of enzyme present in the body but not present in the laboratory experiment let me read that one again because i don't think that went through my head b the hydrolysis of atp is a non-spontaneous process that cannot proceed in the absence of enzyme present in the body but not present in the laboratory experiment so it's saying you need the enzyme in the body or else hydrolysis of ATP doesn't happen. Okay. Right. Um, I'm okay. So I'm not sure that's true either because it tells me that it happens. It just happens slowly. Right. The whole question is about just the difference in rate. Not whether or not it happens. Correct. Okay. So this this is why the MCAT is a reading test, right? I'm getting the answers by reading and thinking. All right. C. Enzymes present in the body but absent from the laboratory experiment modify the standard free 
energy change of the hydrolysis of ATP, leading to a more favorable reaction profile. There we go. We finally have something that has to do with speed and the enzyme and what's happening. Okay, that makes sense. D, the catalytic activity of enzymes present in the body but not in the laboratory experiment reduce the activation energy associated with the hydrolysis of ATP. All right, so both C and D... Makes sense. Now I just need to figure out which one is correct, uh, which one is answering it. So um, activation energy is potentially different, right? In a laboratory experiment, where is that activation energy coming from? Yeah, usually just like the heat of the environment. Yeah. yeah. So enzymes present. So going back to answer choice C, enzymes present in the body but absent from the laboratory experiment, modify the standard free energy change of the hydrolysis of ATP, leading to a more favorable reaction profile. That one to me just makes more sense and not like, oh, we don't have enough heat or enough energy to to make this go. And so, because because D gets back to, well, if there's energy, period, it's going to go. The enzymes don't, yeah, I don't know. C makes more sense to me in my head. Yeah, I like I like the the you know talking about it being a reading test because <laughs> only two of these answers even answer the question. Yeah. Um, like even forgetting whether or not they're true, right? Yeah. Like if they ask like what color is the sky and somebody says the sky is purple, that at least answers the question yeah. whether that's true or not. The sky is care. three. No, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a yeah, color. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right? The sky is under the earth. Right? No, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so. C and D both at least conceptually make sense, whether or not they're true. Yep. And so we're down to a 50-50 just by like trying to understand what the question and the answers are saying, which I'll admit is a battle in and of itself at times. Yep. Um, so after this, it's just kind of understanding like what exactly does an enzyme do? Mm-hmm. And so the standard free energy is the energy of the products and the reactants. Adding a catalyst or an enzyme doesn't change that. Like the energy is stored within like a carbon-carbon bond, right? Okay. It doesn't matter how we got it. Um, so adding a catalyst makes it easier to go forward by reducing the energy required to activate this. And that so is what a catalyst does. Energy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. So the answer is going to be D for that one. Um, although C is easily the second most chosen answer on that one, which is at least good. That means <laughs> most people are at least answering the question. <laughs> They're getting the, the right wrong, the right, right. wrong one. Uh, okay. Makes sense. Cool. All right. So 42. Consider the net reaction leading to the formation of fructose 6-phosphate from glucose and ATP. The delta G for this reaction equals, so we have a plus 3.96 and the KEQ is greater than 1, minus 3.6 and the KEQ is greater than 1, minus 3.6 and the KEQ is less than 1, and plus 3.96 and the KEQ is less than 1. Wow. So... Reading test, reading test, reading test. The net right. reaction leading to the formation of fructose 6-phosphate from glucose and ATP. So glucose and ATP, um, the, the first question I have just looking at these are, am I burning calories or am I storing up calories, right? Yeah. That's, that seems to be the the biggest first question that I could potentially answer if this was a reading test and I don't know anything else, which I don't know anything. Um, right, and so I'm left with plus 3.96 kcals per mole or negative 3.6 kcals per mole. So storing calories, I'm assuming, is the 
plus 3.96 if that's like I'm I'm saving yeah. up some calories there. Yeah, you're thinking of like calories in terms of like energetics, like yeah. storing and burning and that yeah. sort of stuff. So does that work here? Me like, yeah. So they're asking about the delta G, which is whether or not it's spontaneous or not. And yeah. so a positive delta G means it's a spontaneous or a non-spontaneous reaction. Yeah. And a negative means it's spontaneous. Mm. And so this question isn't so much about the amount of energy we're storing um, as it is like a measurement of how much, whether this reaction wants to go forward. I'm trying to hack my way in here. All right. Yeah. So. um, That's a very physician answer. (laughs) He's immediately thinking about like applied like calories and burning and. Yeah, I was, I was trying. I'm trying here. Uh, trying, trying to help the student figure out these questions faster than than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, going to is this something that wants to happen all the time or not? Um, I'm assuming I want it to happen, right? Because I, I need to use my energy. It needs to it needs to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. I need to break down glucose. Yeah, to live. Yeah. Right? So positive, you said, is spontaneous. Or negative is non-spontaneous. Okay. The negative is spontaneous. Okay. How do how do we have it's a mnemonic confusing. for that? I I have no idea. I just I just memorized it. There's an <laughs> in and vo- both forms, right? The negative is spontaneous and the positive is non-spontaneous. I don't know if that helps. Yeah. That might just make people more confused. Wow. Okay. So negative. So we know we assume it has to be we want it to be spontaneous. So a and D are out because those are both the positive. So um, right. we have negative 3.6 kcals per mole with a KEQ less than one or greater than one. And KEQ has to do with how spontaneous it is too, doesn't it? Yeah, There's definitely a relation to this. Yeah. The KEQ tells us at equilibrium, what's the ratio of products <laughs> to reactants. Mm-hmm. And so if something really favors the products, the KEQ is greater than one. If something yep. favors the reactants, then it's going to be less than one. If it's 50-50, then it's one, one. exactly, yeah. um, generally, right. depending on the reaction. Yeah. But so there's obviously like a tie to that. Yeah. So B would be KEQs greater than one because we, we want more products than reactants. Yeah, if it's a spontaneous reaction, it. I would expect to have more products if I just let it reach equilibrium. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's B. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so negative spontaneous. Negative, negative is spontaneous. spontaneous. Positive, yeah. not spontaneous. Non-spontaneous. PN. Yep. Positive non. PNS. <laughs> Positive non. It's peripheral PNS. nervous system. Peripheral nervous system. There you go. PNS. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Makes yeah. no sense. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so this next question, I can't remember who read the last one. I did. Um, okay. So according to passage information, is the energy released by the transport of an electron pair delivered by NADH through the electron transport chain sufficient? to produce three ATP molecules from three ADP molecules and three inorganic phosphates. If the efficiency of the conversion of energy released via the transport of the electron delivered by NADH into useful work in the body is found to be approximately 50%. This question is a paragraph and it's all one sentence and it's you like, by the time you finish it, you forgot how the question started. Um, (laughs) It's like when you walk into a different room and you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing here? What am I looking for? Oh, Uh, man. Um, So honestly, I'd say just rephrasing the question is the battle for this one. 
Um, we'll hold off on the the answer choices a little bit just to yeah. make sure we know what the questions asking. Um, the reading test, right? So they're asking, is the energy released through this NADH stuff sufficient to produce three ATP molecules, blah, 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 if the efficiency of the conversion of energy released is a, found to be approximately 50%, right? So that's that's the abridged version of this question. Yeah. Um, is there enough energy from NADH to produce three ATP if the efficiency of the conversion is about 50%. I, I know the answer. Different. It's an easy answer. The, the answer choice yeah. is C and I'm moving on. <laughs> C and, C and <laughs> because, moving on. Because I just look at this and I go, I'm going to spend five minutes just trying to figure out what the heck it's trying to ask me. Right. Yeah. And so if you're like in one of those like time crunch scenarios, this might be a question worth kind of like picking and moving on. Just pick um, C, flag it, and move like, on. <laughs> There is some shortcut stuff you could maybe do with this, like kind of thinking conceptually. Mm-hmm. Like, is according to the passage, they give us all this stuff. Is there enough energy to make ATP from NADH? I want to say yes, because that's how I'm alive. Right? <laughs> so, like, I know that I use NADH in the electron transport chain. I make ATP, and they gave me all this stuff in the passage about science. How this is happening. Science isn't real anymore, Phil. Come on. Right, right. <laughs> so, so, just off of that, I feel like I want to pick A or B. Because C and D say no. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure that happens. Yeah. Right? I'm pretty sure that I make ATP. And they gave me all the numbers. And so they want to know, yeah. um, is this sufficient? But that, that 50% at the end would throw me off. The 50% right. at the end would trick me going, okay, am, am I going to be alive if something is only working at 50% capacity? Right. So – the thing is, if we look to this, there's that passage or that paragraph right underneath equation one, um, and it tells us the standard free energy change. So it tells us how much energy we get um, out of things and into things. Yep. And so from breaking down NADH, we get about 52.5 kcals. Mm-hmm. And to build an ATP, it takes 7.3. Mm-hmm. And that's just from that first sentence of, what is that, paragraph three or four? Yep. Um, and so if we lose 50% of the energy because this process is only 50% efficient, is that still enough to make three ATP is basically the question that they're asking. And Mm. if it takes 52 joules that we get from NADH, if I lost half of that, that's going to be about 26 joules. 26, 7.3 times three is 22, 21, 22. So, so there's going to be enough energy there. To okay. still build three ATP, um, if I break down that NADH. Okay. So, we know that the answer is yes, but just kind of like going through the second half of all those answer choices, the explanations. Um, answer choice A says yes, with the additional calories uh, of energy released by the electron transfer and not used are employed to drive the removal of excess hydrogens from the matrix. Mm. So it's talking about what happens to that fifty percent that we lose. B is saying, yes, with the majority of the calories of energy released by the electron transport chain and not using the phosphorylation, lost mainly as heat. And so, like, if this process is 50% efficient, where is that 50% energy that we lose going? 
Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Have any thoughts I, on that I, one? I think just knowing how systems work and the inefficiencies of system, almost everything is lost as heat. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's, you know, like in our light bulbs, like they would go off heat instead of light and that's mm-hmm. some inefficiency or car engines, they produce heat instead of pushing at times. And that's some inefficiency. And so, yeah, we just end up losing this. That's why people with high metabolisms are naturally warmer and mm-hmm. people with lower metabolisms tend to be cooler because the metabolic process produces heat, um, as a byproduct as we just lose energy. So I also girls generally are a little bit colder because generally they have a lower metabolism. They don't burn calories as fast as men do. I'm at, I'm saying generally. Actually, generally. Generally. Female bodybuilders that have way higher metabolism <laughs> than I do. Yes. Um, okay. Wow. That was a hard passage. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a, a, a tricky passage. Um, you got to know some things. You got to reference some stuff in the passage. You got to kind of know batteries. Um, the electron transport chain of what's going out the reduction potentials and oxygen once the electrons at the end. That's actually very similar to a galvanic cell as the electrons just go from the lower reduction potential to the higher reduction potential. Same thing here as we go from like NADH to oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely a kind of interesting passage crossing over into lots of things. Um, it also definitely uh, pays to like make sure that you're comfortable reading these things and kind of battling through. And that's why it's important to review these. So that even if you had no idea what this was saying in the first go around, when you're reviewing it later, you're like, oh, okay, now I understand what they were asking. <laughs> Before, it was just a pile of words. Now now it means something. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, there you have it. Some more fun blueprint MCAT full-length one for you. Chemphys section, continuing our breakdown. I hope this was helpful for you. If you want to learn more about blueprint MCAT, and how they can help you in your MCAT study and go to blueprintprep.com. Again, Blueprint, formerly known as Next Step Test Prep. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.